Uh, fair enough. Like I told one Virginia Tech uh, friend of mine, um, at least they didn't um, Photoshop MLK with a wide receiver's glove like Florida State did. So, oh, what in the world? You remember that? Like a yes. couple was like, yeah, do something was their uh, like saying that year, which was very unfortunate because they didn't do much of anything that year. Welcome to an ACC podcast. I'm Lauren Brownlow, and I realized. That I hadn't really talked much Hokies so far. I mean, we've touched on them, obviously, but um, and they've they've hit a little bit of a of a wall here lately too. So wanted to see what was going on with them as they get ready to play Virginia Tech in a ranked matchup in basketball. Because what a time that we live in. Um, and so I wanted to bring on Norm Wood from the Daily Press in Newport News and the Virginian pilot who covers UVA and the Hokies, but I definitely see you tweet more um, about the Hokies than, you know, some others, I guess, you know, so it's like, Hey, someone who knows something about Virginia tech basketball. Yay. Hello. Hello, hey, Norm. How are you doing? You're right. It is weird. It just, it does, uh, it does seem like there, there, there isn't an, an abundance of, of Virginia tech basketball tweeters out there when you're certainly comparing them to the football program. It's, myself and and did a lot of there are a lot of uh, um uh, online types i think um and yeah like there's virginia tech yeah. fan people that that follow it really closely and stuff like that but you know um and it's not like i'm averse to having those sure. types of people on but yeah it's it, it they're, they're definitely some diehards and i mean i was actually thinking about this when it comes to florida state too i have like abs i have like two people i can think of that i would like bring on a florida state podcast maybe to talk about basketball where whereas there's like way more with football right. than I would be like, yeah. <laughs> you know it's like hey i don't think i've seen this person that i know tweets about florida state football tweet that much about florida state basketball unless it's like watching from think, home or whatever it's probably so, a pretty good comparison too when you're talking about the two two programs florida state and virginia tech in terms of level of interest and and level of people covering i you know it's not unusual for me to go to an acc game in Blacksburg, um, and and find maybe seven other people sitting around me. I mean, it's not you know, it's 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 odd. It is kind of a and you're talking like pre-pandemic. I'm yeah, sure, obviously, yeah, exactly. So it's, <laughs> that's wild. Seven. Yeah. God, I've never. I don't think I've ever been in a media room, even for women's basketball, where there were only seven other people. Right. Yeah. It might be. There might be. <laughs> you know, you, you throw the, the the TV folks in there. There might be a dozen of us. I don't know. It's. You know, it's not it's not like that for every game, but it's it's uh you know part part of it's just the fact that you know Blacksburg is just not close to anything. I mean, it's four and a half hours away for me. You know, from the other side of the state, I live over by the ocean, and you know we're getting to the southwest part of the state. So it's you know everybody knows these things is in the ACC. Obviously, it's just not easy to get. It's there. really not easy you know, to get there for anybody. So. That's a good way of putting it. It's not. It's uh unless you have a private plane, in which case it actually is. Because it's it's right by there. It is. It's great. Yeah, they basically have a campus airport, more or less. I mean, it's it is you know just three miles off campus. I think yeah, I think that. it's close to. I, I w- I've been there for football a couple times, and when I used to cover UNC exclusively and like worked with the athletic department, I definitely we 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 flew in on the private plane. Oh, sweet. Yeah, like a couple times on somebody's private plane, and I was like, wow, it really is right there. Yeah. Just like. That's the one thing that's close to uh, Virginia Tech, I guess. Is yeah. the is the airport? It's actually you're right. It's not it's not a couple miles. It's it's maybe 
a few hundred yards off campus, you know, technically. So it did, it did take us like an, uh, like 30 or 40 minutes to get to where we needed to get from that airport. Right. Uh, but still, <laughs> yeah. Well, it wouldn't be a, um, a Virginia Tech focused sort of episode if we didn't start out with football, though, <laughs> right? Right. Um, so I, what I I do want to get into the Twitter drama. Although it's funny, one thing I noticed is people were resurfacing this Bill Connolly tweet. And Bill Connolly is a stats guy for ESPN. Um, they were resurfacing this tweet where he went into what the most ex- who the most experienced teams were coming into twenty twenty the this past season, and obviously. Like, I think the list was like North Carolina, Indiana, USC, Virginia Tech, and I forgot what the last one was. Uh, Oklahoma State was the, was the list. And Virginia Tech's the only one that doesn't finish that ranked. And then they Virginia Tech was also a top five most experienced defense and was like by far the worst of all of them in the top five of returning experience for defense. And I was just, I don't know. I was surprised by that because things really fell off a cliff this season. And I don't know. I mean, every off season of Virginia tech football. Now it feels like, uh, it's, it's full of turmoil to a degree, but like, is it, I guess there can't be that much extra turmoil because they're not going to fire Fuente and he's not openly job searching. So I guess he's learned his lesson there. <laughs> Scott Satterfield's doing that for him at this point. So, yeah, I, I mean, is, is it just kind of like a shrug your shoulders and it is what it is at this point and you'll play it out until, they figure out for sure if Fuente's going to work or are they waiting to have money to let him go if that's what they want to do? Like, where are they at? Yes, all of the above. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I do think that there is a segment of fans. There are, there are two distinct, uh, there's sort of a line of de- demarcation between two segments of fans. And I think it's a lot like that with a lot of fan bases. But there's a group that at this point is sort of resigned to the fact that there is, you know, Fuente's back, make the most of it keep your fingers crossed and hopefully things turn around and there's a lot to, you know, uh, defensively, especially there are some things to uh, look forward to in terms of returning talent and guys that were younger. And there's a few veterans at some spots and and that kind of thing. Um, And then there's another segment that's growing. It seems that just wants to burn the whole thing down. And, and, and that's the one you hear from the most. And that's, they are, it seems to me, and I, I obviously I follow more of these people and I have more interaction with more of these folks, but it does seem like, I don't know if it's because it's a technical school and maybe there's some savvy there, but they seem more vocal than most on, on Twitter. Um, the, 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 That's probably true for a lot of places, though, where like the I ones think. that are yeah. that are like discontented are probably the loudest for mm-hmm. sure. But it is a weird. I mean, I, just even as somebody who doesn't have an investment in it, it does kind of feel like they're at this weird stalemate. I mean, Virginia Tech of those teams with the top five returning experience was the only one that didn't finish ranked, mm-hmm. and it wasn't even all that close. Like, yeah. and it just. I don't know. I mean, I don't want to say it's not working because I don't know. Maybe it will. Like maybe, like you said, there is some reason for optimism. They just transitioned at coordinator. They had a, and I don't know, maybe they would have been better off not playing as well to start the year in spite of all the players they were down (laughs) because it did set them up to be like, okay, yeah, they're going to be really good. And then it just didn't, it kept getting progressively worse. They did. And, and there are some, and that's the thing. There's a lot of excuse making for sure. That's what happens. Obviously when you go five and six and it's the first losing record, you know, in the regular season that you've had since what ninety two, I guess it was, and um, and with like a top five most experience, like right. returning experience team, it's That's wild. It. Yeah, and they and you know uh, they 
COVID didn't do them any favors, but that, that excuse only goes so far since everyone's yeah. dealing with it. And, um, you know, they, they did have a, an immediate blow right before the season started when, you know, their, their best player essentially decided he was opting out and Caleb Farr. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that doesn't help, but again, that's one player. And then they had some, they had some injuries and, but everybody has, you know, has to deal with those too. But, um, you know, it, it is, it, I, I think that in, in tech's case, when you combine all these things with the fact that you have a first year coordinator, who's really changing a lot of things. I mean, going from, from Bud Foster's one gap, very, uh, fundamentally based, uh, stripped down sort of approach where, you know, cornerbacks are on an Island and everybody's expected to, you know, uh, to, to hold their water playing man and, and doing all those kinds of things and all those cool, fun coaching cliches to now Justin Hamilton, who's a two gap guy and the, the run reads are different and, you know, mid season you know, linebackers are, admitting they're kind of scratching their heads trying to figure this out. Oof, not good. It's not good because they didn't have a chance to work on it much in the off season. And sure. Terminology is, is odd. And now you've got four new assistant coaches also on the defensive side. And, um, and, 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 you know, Oh, by the way, you know, on the opposite side, you've got your starting quarterback who's dealing with COVID and, and sort of a mystery ailment that we never really found out about um, in, in Hendon Hooker. Um, and, and that doesn't help either. So, I mean, it, it, it was a, it was a bad situation that they seemed like they were going to be able to weather early on, as you mentioned. Uh, but it all kind of caught up. And, and as the schedule got more challenging and some of those, those traditional November blues that tech seems to go through there, I mean, they're, they're two and six in the last, what, four seasons now in, in November, uh, in road games. Uh, they they just can't win on the road at all. It seems like in in November, um, and a lot of these are you know a lot of these are winnable games that I know what rankled a lot of fans who have an interest in such things, uh, which is a growing number now that uh, sports gambling is is legal in the state of Virginia. Yeah, the double digit favorite factor uh, that that you know Virginia Tech blew several of those opportunities uh, over the last uh, like two or three years. Um, that doesn't stick sit well with the, with the segment of fans and those people are particularly vocal. So um, it's a combination of a lot of things that, that uh, again, like I said, added up to a really, really bad situation for, for Fuente and Oh yeah. Throw in the fact that they don't open their doors to people like me an awful lot. I mean, this is not, they don't make it. And, and, and you know, I'm not, yeah, I am. I'm not going to, you know, Lauren, you know, as well as I do, like we've been doing this a long time. This is the way of the world now. These doors are closing a lot more football programs in particular. Because but, coaches, but coaches that don't do that right. and that do that open the door don't have a problem. Like, I, right. <laughs> like Dabo doesn't seem to have a lot of issue down there with, with being a little more open. And, um, you know, it, Mac Brown has been really open since, the, since he got back. Right. Yeah. Really open. And, um, you know, Duke basketball churns out, you know, uh, media releases on specifics of, of injuries for, you know, I'm not, I know I'm mixing in the apples and oranges here, but, we're, you know, we're talking about, you know, one of the most visible athletic teams in the country in Duke basketball. They don't seem to have a problem with being open and fairly transparent with injuries and, 
and things like that. Which- oh, well, the locals aren't transparent about injuries in football. I will give them. I mean, they, they will tell us if they know someone's not playing, but that's about okay. it. And they don't always tell us why. So, and apparently that's just become an ACC football kind of thing. But like at the same time, you like you were talking about, Mac lets us in in other ways, yeah. you know, and is honest with us and forthright and does a lot of media stuff. And, you know, that gets you a long way. You know what I mean? And and that can help you. And if you're kind of icy with the media in general, that doesn't help you very much. And it's the oddest thing, Lauren, because Fuente, Justin is a, I mean, if you can get him one-on-one and you can chat with him, I mean, he's That's what I've heard, a really yeah. personable guy, uh, fun to talk to, likes to crack a joke with you. And, and I've been trying to get him out on a boat during the spring to do this sort of Hey, let's go fishing thing. And, you know, you can take me to your spot for 15 minutes. You know, you can blindfold me on the way there if you don't want me to let people know where your spot is or whatever. And, you know, just, just trying to be, you know, make it fun for him. And he's like, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. You know, this is pre pandemic, obviously. And uh, right. it just never got followed up on. You know, I, I, I would inquire, you know, to Pete Morris, the sports information director. Oh, yeah, we'll circle around. We'll get back to, you know, I've never got back to it. So it's, you know, and, and and then you get him in a group setting. You get Fuente in a group setting. It's a totally different guy. I mean, he's just you know, it becomes yeah. the black helicopter over the practice field guy. You know, just cannot can't open up at all. You know, there's there's nothing. You know, you're, he's not letting players talk about themselves. It's very clear that there are some orchestrated responses to things that um, you know you 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 know you, you're there's no, no uh, revealing of self. Um, so it makes writing features and, and kind of getting to know, get, you know, giving fans an opportunity to know these kids. Um, it, it's impossible almost in, in some ways. Uh, so, uh, or very challenging at the very least. So that's kind of what we're dealing yeah. with. And it, it's, you know, I bring this up because it's such an incredible departure from the previous guy. And I know it's tough to be the next guy after the legend and all that. And, Media is going to be comparing you to that, but you make it easy when you don't, you know, when you, when you shut the doors to the extent that they have after having a guy like Frank Beamer that for, you know, the vast majority of his stay there, obviously the last few years, things started to trend this way for everybody, all coaches with with the internet becoming more sort of intrusive um, and, and prying. But, um, you know, Frank was always open and very, you know, his, I mean, you could walk down the hallway in in uh, in the assistant coaches' offices, and just you know, as as a as a print reporter, and just poke your head in and say, "Hey, you know, Brian Stein Spring, do you have a second? Billy Height, you got a minute? No, nope? okay, come back, cool, you know, that kind of thing." It was all on our own, you know, and and um, you know, that seems like something from another planet. Yeah, at this point. yeah. Ugh. Um. Well, I wanted to get we'll, we'll get to, we'll get back into basketball. No, you're. It's, it's my fault too. Yeah. I, the I just want you can give the context to the Daryl Tap thing because I probably won't do it justice. But when I saw this on Twitter the other day, my my initial re, my immediate reaction was like, "Oh no, Virginia Tech football Twitter is at it again." So why don't you just go ahead and give us the context as to what happened there? Well, I mean, you know, obviously now uh, Daryl Tap, who was the uh, co defensive line coach at, at Tech for for a season, a uh, very prominent uh, former player. Back in, I guess, from what, 2002 to 2005, yeah. and um, came back this past year and, and coached the defensive line, and, and now gets this opportunity with the San Francisco 49ers, 
which, you know, as Taff has explained in, in a video since all this has sort of transpired, that you know, he never won a, a ring as a, as a play in 12 years in the NFL. And now he wants to go back and work with some guys that he's familiar with. And uh, sounds like San Francisco is going to be adding some, some guys that he's played with over the years and try to try to finally get that ring. Well, the day it sort of became official, um, Virginia tech cranked out through its official uh, Twitter uh, account. This um, it was like about grit or something, and grit, grit, which is so, sort of a, a buzzword for Virginia Tech. It's become a buzzword for so many programs now, but for them, it's been a buzzword. But it was talking about personality traits and and perseverance, and like sticking and, with a tough situation quote, even when it's difficult, or something like that. Yeah, quote stick to itiveness and being diligent and right, loyal. Specifically mentioned staying yeah, loyal yeah, yeah. and all this, and um, which the the timing was really weird considering it. That was the day it kind of became apparent that Tap was going to leave the staff and go to San Francisco. It felt like a subtweet, very right. much. It very much, very much. Without mentioning Tap at all, no reference to him at all in this in this. Uh, this post that Virginia Tech put up. So um, it was the timing's weird in itself, but um, to do it with someone who has meant so much to yeah, Virginia yeah. Tech and fans and, and Bud Foster and, and that whole lunch pail defense thing just seemed really off putting to a lot of fans. And, and I understand, I get it. I mean, you know, they just got, you know, bombarded by by retweets and and subtweets from fans you know just letting them have it and um and i i understand so i i had a conversation i tried to look at it in the context of everything that was going on okay so yeah you had the tap thing going on this was also within a day or two of the start of tech's off-season workouts Uh, oh okay. okay And I got to thinking, I was like, how, how, what is the other, what's the tech side of this? How do you explain this away if they're going to try to do that? And I thought, okay, it is the start of the offseason stuff. And Colorado drills is a big, big deal for them. They make a big deal about Colorado drills. And, and uh, it's one of the more grueling offseason workout, you know, portions of the offseason off workout schedule that they have always in January. So that's all going on now, this Colorado drill thing. So, I talked with Pete Morris, the sports information director, I guess yesterday because I was heading or a couple of days ago. Yeah. Two days ago, I was, I was going to a doctor's appointment. There was, there were, he wanted to uh, have a zoom session with some media about some things and, um, and I wasn't going to be able to join. So I, I had a one-on-one chat with, with Pete on the phone about stuff. And I just kind of casually brought up, you know, in a way, huh, how about that uh, tweet thing there? The grit, ah, man, that really uh, tough, tough, tough morning for you yesterday, huh? And um, I wanted to give him an opportunity to, to discuss it. And he said, man, that just that was not the intention at all. That the, the, the Daryl Tapp connection was not in at all. It's, he said it's offseason work. And I said, okay, OK, this yeah. is what I thought. You know, this is what I thought <laughs> was going on if you were going to try to attach some other reality to this tweet. But again, it doesn't excuse the fact that the timing is horrible and i don't, right. i don't know i as much as it was told you know 
as much as Pete told me that there is a connection, and I get it, I, I do think that that's reality. That the, 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 it was probably meant to to uh, connect the off season institute of this indulgence and loyalty and all that kind of football, you know, football nets, you know, to 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 the to the tweet. Um, you, you ha- it is undeniable that it, it could have been done at a different time. Wait a few days, maybe next week, maybe do this earlier, you know, bef- you know, before all this becomes an issue with, with, with tap. It just, why that day of all days? I, but yeah. they, this has been a, this has been a, a, a consistent trend with Virginia tech and, and you know, bad timing with tweets and, 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 you know, like I said, inability to sort of open up, it's just kind of a, systemic type deal it seems like and it it it's not good I mean, it is it's it just <laughs> seems like they can't get out of their own way sometimes i know well that makes more sense okay that that's good i mean that that's a, a, a yeah it, they can't get out of their own way but I, that's still a good thing that it wasn't actually about him probably and that's probably the more logical <laughs> explanation that's what they say anyway yeah. uh, you know i i have a yeah. hard time believing that there isn't some <laughs> connection there but i'll i'll tell i'll give them the benefit i guess yeah. Uh, fair enough. Like I told one Virginia Tech uh, friend of mine, um, at least they didn't um, Photoshop MLK with a wide receiver's glove like Florida State did. So oh, what in the world? You remember that? Like a yes. couple was like, yeah, do something was there uh, like saying that year, which was very unfortunate because they didn't do much of anything that year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, whenever I saw their f- slogan of like, do something, I always thought of like the meme of like the stick figure guy poking somebody with a stick and saying do something I was like right. a dog yeah I always thought of that it's like Florida didn't, State's the thing you're poking to say do something didn't FSU as one of their and maybe I'm connecting this with somebody else I can't remember this past spring or off season or something didn't they tweet like yeah they've had bad tweets picture of some like a player's like a, it was a graphic of a crotch basically like a a, yep. a player's you know, he's fully suited up for a game and then some slogan attached. It's like, what the, how's yeah. the, who the, you know, what? <laughs> I just couldn't, I couldn't connect it all together. And it was, and then it got deleted, right? It didn't get deleted within an hour yep. or two because people just were like, what in the, you know. So, it was bad. So it's tech, all bad. tech's not alone. Virginia Tech's not alone in this. Uh, in like social, yeah, they need some lessons. They, they, somebody needs some lessons for sure. But. Needs to be a well, work, an ACC workshop on this, perhaps. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, well, that, uh, we'll transition to basketball, I guess. I mean, we'll we'll get to the Hokies later. Um, uh, I liked. I have a weird compulsion about going in order about games. I don't know why. Um, and I'm not going to get too much into all of them, but we do get Clemson at Duke first, which is somewhat intriguing now that Clemson showed signs of life again um, against Louisville. Now their offense didn't, but that's not how they were winning to begin with. So it really doesn't. I mean, they they could they could shoot thirty percent and beat a lot of teams. Maybe not a team like Duke, but a lot of teams. Um, mm-hmm. and, and yeah, and then Duke obviously has been playing way better. They finally get that win that they'd been wanting so badly and avoided their longest losing streak in fourteen years. Um, and I, but I still don't know. I mean, there's still a lot up in the air about Duke. They still only played like 11 games. It, it's weird. It just feels like they've been playing. It, you know, Clemson's played 14 in spite of their own COVID pause, and Duke's only played 11. And it feels like they've played a way different amount of games somehow. It's it's strange. It is strange. And and I, 
I tend to think this is a pretty critical game for, for both teams for the yep. reasons that you said, you know, I mean, it is okay. Yeah. They both kind of got off the schneid, you know, but um, okay. So, so Duke beats Georgia tech, a team that they've traditionally done very well against. Um, and, you know, Clemson's back on track uh, after what was it? Three consecutive losses by 19 plus. I think it was each one. So yeah, I think it was an average of 24. Yeah. Which, which kind of came out of the blue. Like you, you, the, where they've been, you know, whatever they're nine and one going into that stretch. I think they were. Yep. Um, so, okay. One win. I don't know. Kind of proves that you're quote back, you know? So that now here's an opportunity for, for both of them. And I, I agree for, 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 from, from Duke's perspective in particular, I know, Teams have won with freshman backcourts, but I'm not convinced this is the freshman backcourt that that can, you know, that, that's that's quite equipped to get this done with the Roach and, and Stewart. Stewart, I like a lot as a score. I'm not quite sure what else he offers yet. Uh, right. But um, and, and now you're kind of getting Jalen Johnson back into to, to shape. And that's the one thing with me for them that it's like, okay, that could make a difference in terms of how I look at them, yeah. you know, yeah. is that the fact that he's back and he, you missed so much time, you know, in some of those key games that now that he's back and he's playing well, it's like, okay, well maybe that could turn them into something somewhat different. Mm-hmm. Agreed. But you know, other than that, I don't know. And it's just been really weird because like, it's weird when North Carolina was playing poorly. I never watched them and thought like, I, I would always watch them and it looked bad. You know, it was also aesthetically bad. Whereas I don't know, Duke, for some reason, even when they were struggling, it didn't always look as aesthetically bad as North Carolina did when they were struggling. No, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and you're just like, you know, you, it's easy to point to the things that were wrong for North Carolina. It wasn't as easy for Duke. Cause it's like, Oh wow. Like look at Matthew Hurt getting going from three. Like, right. Well, you know, well, got this freshman getting Stewart who can score. Yeah, too. exactly. Good games and yeah, it was yes. really strange. Yep. Yeah. yeah, it is weird. It's like you can't really look at them and just go, okay, yeah, this is why they're struggling, and and it's it's a little harder to pinpoint. But yeah, I, I that's going to be the challenge is the backcourt for sure, and then obviously, you know, the only real viable big they have, unless Mark Williams can play steady minutes for them, um, is is Johnson. I mean, they've had to go pretty small, so. We'll see. I mean, it'll be interesting. It's certainly more interesting around here when both teams, when both Duke and North Carolina go into their, uh, you know, first matchup playing well. And so we'll see, I, you know, Duke's at home, but that doesn't mean as much now. Um, yeah. And Clem- Clemson's got to defend. I mean, look, their offense was always very questionable. Um, but if for them to allow 80 in three straight games, no matter who they're playing is bad. They, they, they still are in good position to make the NCAA tournament, but they can't afford a lot more. Um, a lot more losses because they don't really have an opportunity after these next two or three games to get anything good in the win column. Yep, and they've got to make games rock fights. I mean, it's just they can't have, you know, they can't keep up with teams that score eighty like they, you know, like they have in you know in, in these that three game skid they had. You know, despite all that those those troubles, it's I guess they're what still eighteenth and in Ken Palm and in deficient defensive efficiency, so they're still. You know, one of the better defensive teams in the country, but they've got it. They they're a team that cannot play um, anything other than the style that they are intended to play, which is you know slow it down, make it a rock fight, um, and and go from there. So um, that they they're not a terribly versatile team. Not really, no. Yeah. So it'll be it'll be interesting. Um, 
And obviously, that's my. It's weird to have a Saturday where I only have one game to cover. Right. Local. I, I was but. thinking about that actually <laughs> when I looked at the schedule. I thought, man, this is you got you have one option pretty much. So um, I'm not going to be. I don't hate it. I'm not no, mad at it. Right. I'm happy about it. So you, that's good. You mentioned North Carolina, and quickly, it's funny because I get you know I, I I pop up on radio shows two or three times a week in Virginia. And I'm not quite sure that a lot of folks in, in, in the state here have realized that North Carolina has kind of turned this thing around a little bit. I think people yes. are still kind of in the, Oh man, Duke and North Carolina just, you know, it's just not quite the same, you know, that without those two powers all the time, it's like, well, North Carolina's kind of, they're, they're awake now, you know, things have they've kind of righted the ship a little bit there. I know they've done it against a little bit of a weak portion schedule that it win was nice, but, um, you yeah, know, it's uh, it's you know, I, I think they've kind of gotten things uh, righted over there in Chapel Hill. Well, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention, um, and I'm not even sure if I mentioned this last week or not, but I know Caroline Darney, uh, my my UVA friend and frequent guest, would would be. Uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention one of her favorite apps that she uses, and then one that Caleb Love has used apparently to improve his play, the Call Map. Um, he, he mentioned that again in post game the other day and I tweeted about it. I was like, if he, if the, if the name image and likeness stuff had passed, he probably could have already had a deal with the call map. I was going to say, yeah. Is he angling? Is that what we think's going on here? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, I thought that was pretty funny. Cause yeah, he, he could, uh, may, maybe next year, Caleb, although it's not looking likely. Um, <laughs> but, but maybe, yeah. Get, get an endorsement with those call map people. Um, yeah, he's been using that to like meditate and stuff and he's been playing better. And yeah, I mean, that's been the big thing for them is their freshman backcourt too. And those guys have played way better and they're, you know, as a result, scoring way more points. It's just, you know, it's not rocket science sometimes. And uh, yeah, they've been playing better lately. They've won six of seven, but the first three wins of that kind of stretch were a little ugly and yeah. they didn't shoot well. <laughs> well, okay. The Miami game was uh, uh, offensive. Gross. Right. It was disgusting, but they, they, uh, they scored 80 um, for two games in a row. And and the game they played against Florida State's the closest game Florida State's played since they came back from the pandemic with superpowers, evidently. Right. Um, so, you know, to pl- play well in that game. Yeah, yeah. right? It's like, yeah. what? Yeah. But they played very well in that game. And then, you know, the weight game was weird, but they win it. And then, you know, beating NC State in a revenge game and playing well. And then, like you said, winning at Pittsburgh in a game where they mostly played well, got a big lead and had to ho- kind of hold on, but they did it. And yeah, we'll see. I mean, they, they get, they get uh, Clemson on the road. I wonder if they don't get Clemson at home this year. So Clemson doesn't have a chance to extend the streak, but Clemson, like Clemson literally went on COVID pause when they were about to go to North Carolina right? Yep. and they were playing very well. Yep. And that's like, it's the ultimate historical, like maybe that is proof that Clemson really just somehow isn't meant to win in Chapel Hill. Really? It is. <laughs> it is. It's a big cosmic joke for sure. But um, yeah, this is yeah. a huge stretch. You talk about a huge stretch and this is a big stretch for, for UNC coming up. Yep. Right? I mean, oh, yeah. Clemson and then at Duke and then the Miami game and then at UVA, I guess all within 11 days there. So. And Virginia Tech and Louisville at home after that. So yeah, right. that's a big stretch. So it's, it's, um, you know, three, what, three of the next four on, on, on the road, too. And this has not been, you know, I know home court advantage is not a, such a big deal this year, but still UNC's only, what was it, two and two and four, I think, on the road. So they're, they're still kind of, still trying to figure out how to, how to win away from, from the Dean Dome there. 
They've won, yeah, they've won twice on the road. And then, I mean, I was going to say, to be to be somewhat fair to them, I think two of the games on the road were Iowa and FSU. True. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, and, and they played well, actually, in both of those games. But yeah. the state the state and Georgia Tech games, not as much. Um, uh, yeah, and Armando Baycott actually said it the other day. He was like, we played, he's like, the only games we feel like we laid an egg in were state and Georgia Tech. Like, we actually... You know, we feel like we played, you know, as well as we could have played at the time against Iowa and FSU, Right. you know, but those two games we laid an egg. So, yeah, they've turned a corner. They've, they're playing better. We'll see. It'll be interesting because obviously things are way more interesting around here when our locals play well. And we'll, and we'll get to state shortly. Miami, Wake Forest at two. No, thank you. Mm. Nope. That's yeah. a no from me. No. Yeah. I mean, I feel bad for, for Laranaga and all that he's had to deal with injury wise down there and all that. but. Yeah, like during a pandemic, no one gets COVID, and then they still have to deal with all that. It's right, crazy. it is incredible. So I don't know that that that's a that's a tough spot for sure. Yeah, and it, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how when I mean, Wake has no quit in them. Um, I'll be curious to see if that holds out throughout the year. But so far, so good in that department. Um, and we'll see. Uh, the no quit that's that's always, <laughs> that's always the fallback for the struggling program. The no quit they've got a lot of those guys. Those guys. Are- I those mean, guys are, those guys are going to lay down. I tell you, but you're coming you, from. They'll give you 40, be, 40 minutes. That's you're coming from the. I know Steve Forbes was making a joke about that kind of like. I'm sick of being like the coach that everybody in the league like loves and is Chris. their best buddy and just is like, oh, they'll get it turned around. He's like, I want to be the team that's beating those guys. Right. Uh, but yeah, it, I mean, it is a departure from the Danny Manning era. To be fair, to, <laughs> well, yeah, for sure, to not give up on games. That's, yeah, good point. That's, so the bar is low and Wake fans are quite happy, I think, so far with what they've seen in that in that department. So that's that's nice for them to see a team that doesn't just give up in the middle of a game. Well, two programs, if you if you if you're like if you're a fan of coaches, these are two teams you want to see oh, yeah. do well. I mean, Larinaga and, and Forbes are both great dudes. So I don't know. It's, yeah, absolutely. It's hard, it's hard to see him struggle like this. But it's been tough. I know. I know. And I love Chris Likes and I miss him. Yeah, me too. Um, four o'clock, we have Florida State at Georgia Tech. It's definitely interesting um, because Florida State, a lot of what they've done here post-pandemic has come at home where they're very, very good. Um, this won't be at home, but, yeah. you know, you never know. You never know what Josh Pastner's got up his old sleeve or in his inside <laughs> his face shield that is labeled face shield. <laughs> what does that thing do? I'm not sure. I, 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 I'm not quite sure. That's, like, it's not. I mean, it's not the anything. worst I see. Here's the thing. I I have watched some of them, but like I don't, you know, I'm not keeping my eyes on the screen every second like I am when they're playing a local team, yeah. um, as much. And I, I didn't get to see all of like the the Carolina Georgia Tech game was on at the same time as another one, so I wasn't watching it super closely. And and then like, but like I watched the Duke game the whole thing, and I thought he wore the face shield so he didn't feel tempted to pull up a mask. And then there he is pulling up that face shield constantly, right. What is the point of that? Please I mean, stop it. Right. I mean, I guess it's, I mean, it looks worse when you do that, right? Because it's this big thing that you have to, you know, shift up and down. I mean, I, you know. I, and you I, probably I, shouldn't be touching it. I mean, I'm, I'm convinced that, that Jim Beheim only wears the mask to keep his chin warm. Like, that's the only purpose that it serves <laughs> after watching the, George, the Virginia Tech game last weekend. It's, I, I, I tweeted, 
Maybe I he think, just assumes he's old, he's already had COVID, so he's good. That's for, but right. <laughs> I I I I think I tweeted something about how for every sixty seconds Jim Beheim wears his mask, 50, 50 of those seconds is protecting his chin, and I was giving him the benefit. I think of like nine and a half seconds. Like it's you know we can we could go through the list of coaches who are actually doing it the right way and not, but I don't know if that's the point. I don't even it. I don't even know that there's a lot that I've seen that are. All that it seems like all of them pull it down to yell. Mike Young does it. Mike Young does a pretty good job. I'll give him that. He's actually oh God bless him. No, he he's all about the. I mean, he's I mean, he he goes with the when he approaches the official, he doesn't pull it down. He pulls it out a little bit so he can you can project his voice around the mask. You know, so oh, I love uh, that makes me like Mike Young even more, and yeah. I already liked him very much. I, yeah. I, I don't want to gloss over the Florida State Georgia Tech game. No, I'm sorry, but no. It, no, you're fine. But at the same time, like I don't know. I mean, it'll be interesting to see for sure, and like we know Georgia Tech's capable of beating a team like that, and will it'll be interesting to see if Florida State is still on its role. Um, what an and, unbelievably balanced team. I mean, they've got what? I love six, them. What is it? Six six guys averaging nine or more points and. MJ Walker, who's sort of the dark horse player of the year type, if he can, you know, finish up strong. And I don't know if anybody's going to catch, um, you know, Champagne, but, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, it is a really, really well equipped team on, on the offensive end for sure. Um, and, um, you know, this, what they're, they're one of, you know, a handful of teams that are top 35 in the country in both offensive efficiency and defensive efficiency. And, Here's Leonard again, very quietly, just you know, him. producing, you know, arguably the the the, the most uh, top to bottom, you know, the, the 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 best roster in the ACC. Yeah, I, I and speaking of coaches, we like to see succeed. Mm-hmm. Leonard for sure, love Leonard Hamilton for sure. Wonderful, wonderful yeah. guy. He is, and they're and they're super fun, and I love. I, I saw something that apparently like Raekwon Gray had cut weight or something heading yeah. into the year. And I'm like, no, don't do that. Cause you're perfect the way you are. Like yeah. Yeah. go play some defensive end in the off season. If you want to, Beast. you know, yeah, no kidding. They could yeah. use them for sure on Florida state's roster. Good. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that does get us to, uh, do, I guess this isn't the, is, did they call it the Commonwealth cup in basketball? I'm not even probably not. Right. Yeah, I mean, the, <laughs> I mean, it's part of the Commonwealth Clash, I guess, which is like a point system that they use for sports. And there's like the cup for football and another cup for the overall sport or something. I don't know. But yes, it's not the Commonwealth Cup in basketball. So um, it just doesn't have a name. That's it a doesn't. Shame. It doesn't. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's it, it, I don't know if it really needs a name when look the Commonwealth Cup for so many years really wasn't much of, you know, when Virginia tech was winning every single season in in the football version, it really wasn't much of a rivalry. So um, it's kind of the same thing in basketball. I mean, UVA is one, I think for 14 of the last 17. So, um, and it seems, I think more competitive, you know, than it, than, than it actually is because during the buzz years, there actually was, you know, what was a little bit of a, a stretch there where, I think two out of three, you know, games, um, you know, Virginia Tech won. And, uh, but now they're back on a, a four game skid against Virginia. And this kind of feels different, though, I think this this weekend in particular. I mean, I know yeah. I know, you know, Virginia Tech is still kind of trying to figure out 
what it is after the Tyrese Radford suspension, you know, Oof. which, oh my goodness, what an unbelievably bad, there's, there's never a good time to lose your, you know, second leading rebounder and second leading scorer. But right as you get into the meat of the ACC slate, um, you, you, you lose that guy. And he's, you know, one of the more unique players in the nation. I mean, never mind the ACC. I mean, this is, this is a, you know, one of the, the two or three best six, two or under rebounders in the country. And he plays an inside type game. And he is a, he's a slasher. He likes to play around the basket. Um, so losing him is just, I mean, it's, there isn't anybody on Tech's roster that even comes close to replacing him. So, but despite that, this is a team that plays better defensively um, than they have in the past, you know, well, certainly last year under Mike Young um, in his first season. Um, and, and, and now, uh, you know, they've had some shooting issues, certainly with Jalen Cohn and Ke- Kevin Aluma's back on track a little bit for sure. Um, but uh, Jalen Cohn is, is the guy who's really got to step up with Tyrese Radford out and he's missed like, 16 of his last 19 threes, and that's what Jalen Cohn does. So if, yeah. if you get him on track, I really think they've got an opportunity to, to, to give Virginia some trouble um, because it's, it, it, that stresses that pack line defense a little bit. Um, but without him, you know, he's the guy who's kind of stepped into the starting lineup with, with Bradford out. But without him hitting shots, it's going to be tough for Virginia, for Virginia Tech. But, you know, they, you know they, if they have him hitting some shots, they've got a chance, I think. Yeah, that it would probably take that. And I mean, it's, uh, you know, we could get into Syracuse in and of itself, but I think what and we, we will shortly, but like, I, I think what surprised me the most about that loss was just the margin, you know, yeah. I, I didn't, that was puzzling to me because, you know, I don't, Syracuse is, you know, they're a solid team, but like, I don't think that they should be beating Virginia Tech by 18. That w- that was a head scratcher for me. But you don't see that. That's another game where you just don't see, you know, your your two leading scorers going combined two of 17 or whatever it was. I think that's what, I yep. think that's what it was, two of 17 or two of 19 for, for Aluma and Cohn from, from Tech. And that was their second straight game where they really struggled. So, um, you know, you, 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 you put that together with the fact that they were kind of, you know, the zone was on for that particular game uh, and they were stretching it out to the three point line and, you know, giving Cone some issues and he wasn't hitting shots to begin with. So, um, but yeah, that, that there's no question that the margin in that game was shocking. But Virginia, you know, yeah, they could give Virginia a game if they hit some threes, like you said, but man, Virginia, speaking of having it rolling, I mean, they've got, 80 points in three of the last four games, which is not a super common thing for them, even when they are super offensively efficient. It's, it seems like they've got everything figured out at this point. They do. And I mean, it does seem that way. I mean, they, they, they is, this is sort of the, um, the vision I think that, that Tony Bennett would have if he wanted a perfect version of this particular roster. I mean, look, nobody expected this team to have, what nine games of 70 plus points, which is you know, already seven more than they had last season, I think. And, um, you know, I think even early this season, the first six games, nobody could have seen this coming, losing to San Francisco and struggling to beat Kent state in overtime and, and all that. And, and really struggling, you know, with ball screen defense, which is, you know, one of the things that, that 
Tony Bennett's teams traditionally have have done so well on that back line defense over the over the years. And you know, backcourts were exploiting them and getting to the basket and able to hit shots and distribute. And um, that they have during this this winning streak, that's something they've done a whole lot better with is uh, switching well and not getting hung up on screens and and um, you know it. It seems to me that obviously we all make a big deal, rightfully so, about Tony Bennett's defensive coaching brilliance and and all that. But I, I think this year in particular, his you know offensive coaching acumen is really undersold, and the fact that yep you know there's so much we 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 look at football coaches as adjusting to personnel, but I think he's done a great job of doing that with his team this year. Yes, very and, much so. And the fact that you know you've got. Hauser and, and you know Murphy coming in, you know as new elements uh, and adding a Jay Huff, and all of a sudden their front court is a strength. So what does he do? He creates schemes that give those guys space and opportunities to shoot from the perimeter. And now they're you know after a slow start for for Hauser, he's heated up from the really heated up from the perimeter. He's at like fifteen of his last twenty three or something insane like that from three point range. And and um, you know they they are. They are a much better perimeter shooting team than they were last year with those three guys kind of leading the way. And, and Jay Huff, you know, is, you know, maybe the most efficient player on both ends of the floor in the conference. Um, he is like an analytics dream. Yeah. Just it's it's wonderful, which I love because I actually got to meet his dad and spend some time with his dad. I did like an analytics conference uh, here locally. Oh, cool. And Jay's a local kid, obviously. So yeah. his dad was there too. Um, and his dad's a coach and stuff. So it was, it was cool getting to know him, liked him a lot. And I just, I was like, this seems appropriate somehow that like Jay Huff, the uni- the like unicorn of analytics is like, and of basketball in general. He is. Who, uh, of, uh, you know, is uh, his dad is at this analytics thing. That was where I got to meet Ken Palm and became a big nerd for, you know, like I was meeting a celebrity. Absolutely. Or yeah. Not the world he is. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like, oh my god, I'm so honored to meet you. Such, I was like, this is the nerdiest thing I've ever done in my life, you know. But it, but it was, it was fun, and and yeah, it, it, Jay's playing great, and I love that he's tailored the offense around him, um, and you know, added some new wrinkles and stuff like that. It's been really good, and it'll, yeah, it'll be an interesting game because it feels important for Virginia Tech to at least play well, if not, you know, if not win, because they got to get some sort of positive momentum going if they want to. If they want to make the tournament at this point, because their their resume is a weird one, for sure. It's strange, yeah. I mean, the Villanova win helps yes. a lot. You know, I mean, that's you know, it, you talk about taking the pressure off early. I mean, you you get your signature win almost out of the gate, you know, and and that's that's going to help a lot down the road. And there really aren't any truly horrific losses on 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 the slate for for Virginia Tech. I mean, there's. Um, yeah, no, just some non-con stuff that you, uh, the wins are like, they're not going to help you. They're not going to hurt you, but they're not going to help you. That's Virginia Tech, isn't it? I mean, they, they, yeah. they almost never, I mean, they always kind of play a crap non-conference schedule. I mean, it, it, at least, yeah, at, at least they have that, uh, you know, that, that, that Villanova win is going to help, but that, you know, the Penn State loss is the most glaring, you know, that's the one I think everybody kind of looks at and says, huh, what, you know, lost by 20 at home to those guys. And, you know, it's. But um, hey, yeah. they're higher ranked in Ken Palm than Syracuse, so there's that. Is that right? Really, I didn't yeah. know that. That's- yeah, I don't know that. That's my eyes would uh, agree with that, well, but that's fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Probably some of that Big Ten bump, I'm sure. 
So, uh, so in a lot of ways, based on, you know, the, the, the Villanova win, like I said, and, and all that, just that, that, that game alone makes, makes this a, a far better, uh, non-conference slate than, than usual for Virginia Tech. But there are the usual suspects on there, you know, the Longwoods and Coppin States and, and, and uh, VMI and just too too many of those type teams. For sure. Although VMI is the uh, second high, like second best team they played out of conference in Ken Palm. <laughs> okay, I mean, Oof. Oh, not great. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So it'll it'll, it'll definitely be interesting, and I'm I'm curious to watch that game. And this should tell this should tell you a lot. Joe Ovius and I here locally, we do a panic room every. Um, you know, and try to wrap, we, we focus on the locals, but we try to look at the whole league. I love it. And, yeah. I watch and, all the time. Yep. Oh, thank you. And, oh. and he was, he was saying, um, he was like, when do you want to do one on Saturdays? Like, do you want to just wrap up the whole like day in the ACC or whatever? Cause we want to put out some piece of content on Saturday. And I was like, yeah. And then the eight o'clock game, I was like, well, there's an eight o'clock game. And then I was like, oh, but it's Notre Dame at Pitt. So we can just do it after Virginia. <laughs> Virginia. <laughs> so yeah, that should, that should tell you, uh, what I think about that game, which is not much. Um, it's a big one for Pitt, obviously, for obvious reasons. But I mean, yeah, I probably will not watch much of that. Yeah, it is a big one for Pitt because, you know, is Pitt sliding now? I mean, this is, you know, the, the, we will find out for sure on Saturday. They lose that game at home. Um, well, they're a little like Clemson in the sense, except for they have a Champagne and, okay. and they have. And they have Tony, who they, those are obviously really good offensive players, but they're not a great offensive team. Right. You know, and so they but they need to defend. And I was the one surprise I had. And I know North Carolina's front court's very good, but I was surprised at how easily they were able to score inside mm-hmm. against Pitt. And, and you know, they need to get better on that side of the ball for sure. And obviously, Notre Dame presents way different challenges than North Carolina does. But still, like they they. They can't win games where they don't defend well enough, and they didn't defend well enough in that game. Yeah, and yeah. A, a critical game for them because it it gets tough for Pitt after this. I mean, it, yep. Virginia Tech, FSU, at Louisville, um, so they gotta they gotta get get back on track. I still love what Jeff Cable's doing. I still, I, and I, I I hear you, Virginia fans. I I also love Jay Huff, as you all know. But right now, to me, it's Champagne and everybody else. Um, and it would take a lot, I think. Well, maybe not a lot, but it would take some some doing, I think, to flip that um, for the player of the year race. I love Champagne. Oh. I, I made a case last week in a weekly sort of column that I do, an ACC Deep Thoughts column that I do on, on Fridays uh, for, for Huff, for player of the year, um, clearly mentioning that statistically there is absolutely no question that, that Champagne is your guy um, if you're based solely on statistics. And... Um, and, and all the things that we had mentioned earlier about how uh, Huff is an efficiency monster and, you know, if you're an analytics nerd, you love him and all that. Um, it depends on what type of viewpoint you're looking at this from. Um, so that'll be if, if it continues to trend the way it is, it will be an interesting case uh, for, for to, to determine um, you know, which voter, you know, which, you know, how voters kind of perceive um, that that. That uh, that award, yeah. I, I think at yeah. this point, like you said, I think overwhelmingly right now, Champagne will be the guy. And and you know, if if it's if it's one of those things where Pitt takes a big slide here, yeah. that obviously will change things some in the in the eyes of some. I am not that. I mean, I don't vote, but yeah. but I'm not that kind of voter. I generally like to pick the best player regardless. And I mean, like it wasn't Champagne's fault they lost to North Carolina. Like he was spectacular, you know, yep. and. 
I, I was one of the ones who voted for like an Eric Green from Virginia Tech because honestly, it's, it's sometimes it's even harder to be that level of an elite player All when your team, team is so bad. <laughs> yeah. When they suck. Yeah. Yeah. Like, honestly, I still marvel at his stats that year. Like, to I mean, think about Kihei Clark last year trying to get assists to, to guys who couldn't make shots. Well, that was Eric Green, too. And he still had an assist rate that was like one of the best in the country. It was right. absurd what he did. It was yeah. absurd. Um, you know, but you, yeah, you just mentioned a guy in Kia Clark. I mean, that's that that will be, you know, if you want to look at an, an analytics monster, I mean, that's a guy. Yep. I mean, good, I mean, good Lord. I mean, it's, you know, he, both he and Reese Beekman, the freshman point guard there to, to put the two guys together. I mean, it's it's almost a three to one assist to turnover ratio at this point. Um, and Kia is only getting better. And so many of his points are scored in odd ways for a five, nine guy. <laughs> yes. I love it. Up and, you know, uh, scoring from the, from the free throw line or under the free throw line and then the high post and sort of that quote playmaker spot that Ty Jerome played as a six, five guy. Um, you know, that's, that's kind of the role that the key is taking on too. So that's the, you know, he's the factor that may, he's the guy who might score four or five points a game, but have the biggest determining factor in Virginia tech. And I'm sorry, in Virginia's fortunes, you know, <laughs> Oh, for sure. Yeah, love Key. I've always, I've always loved Kihei, and I love his hair this year. It's yeah, unbelievable. Every he is a true chameleon. Every game. I mean, it's I got to get the stats on how they've played in each, you know, with each one of the the, the hairstyles because he's working on what five or six different ones at this point, right? Isn't that right? And yeah, I think so. And I need I need young Wake Forest point guard Carter Witt to take a cue there and uh, use a hair tie. <laughs> Because he's giving, he's giving, especially all of the women ACC fans, he's giving a lot of us anxiety um, with his hair just sort of freely going where it will. Flowing, um, right. Yeah. You know, I mean, bless him. It stays out of his face seemingly, but I mean, you keep turning it over, dude, like it couldn't hurt you. True. So, <laughs> bless him. Bless his, bless his little heart. That, that dude should still be in high school. So I'm not trying to pick on him too much. Right. Um, yeah. Give him a break, right? <laughs> Yeah, a little bit. Uh, so Sunday night, we've got State Syracuse. That closes us out. Um, big news for State as Devin Daniels tore his ACL mm. and is out for the year. And that's just a crushing. I mean, and um, it was weird. We had the State players after the game and they didn't. I mean, they seemed more up- upbeat than I thought they would be. And I'm sure some of that is getting a win, right? Like mm. they they needed that, that after the three game losing streak. But you know, it, I don't know. It, it's it's tough for me to imagine, unless some other guys really step up, that they can weather this. I mean, who who steps up? You know, and, and right, and that, I don't and, know, and takes that role. You know, of a of a near seventeen point scorer and and uh, you know a, a guy who who could board a little bit too, and and, uh, and oh yeah, and you know, perimeter shooting and all. It just seems. That that might be the most uh, insurmountable loss, you know, for a team that that couldn't afford, um, you know, a big loss like that uh, in in the conference. Um, yeah, so. I, I'm with you, and I don't know, you know, I I, lo- I like Kevin Keats a lot. Me too. And I and, and I've all I've always said I've said this whole year, like no, not every athletic department has listened to me, obviously, but that in whatever sport it is, it's the just really tough him. to. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> to, you know, the, it's really tough to judge any program in this type of a season, um, and 
I say that about NC State too, and and to lose him is just a, a it's a killer. But hopefully, I mean, if the guys can keep the same attitude that they had after the game and and stay upbeat, and who knows, I, I do like their freshman Shaquille Moore a lot. Um, he's a guy that I think could step up. He played well earlier in the year and hit a little bit of a wall, but he started to play well again against Wake. Jericho Hellams, I think, is a guy that needs to step way up, and and if he can do that, you know, I I don't think it's going to be. I don't know how they make the tournament at this point without Devin, but I mean, it could at least have a decent end to the year. And who knows what happens against Syracuse because Syracuse is super weird. Schizophrenic. And sure. I, uh, that's the one consistent about this season, right? Is that Syracuse is weird again. But like, <laughs> I mean, their January is a wild ride. It yeah. really is. Like they, they have either, I think it's like, in the last four games, they've either won by like double digits or lost by double digits. There's no in between. Strange, very. I mean, it is it is a strange, strange bunch, and it, it's you know they they're a team that I've always wondered like, man, if they could just get all of their different elements going at once, and they just never seem to be able to get like you know Griffin and and Dolajai, um, and you know. To, Going at the same time as Bayheim's hitting threes, you know, right? Um, you know, and then Bayheim will go cold. He goes yeah. cold for like three or four games, you know, and and vanishes, and then all of a sudden he'll have seven or eight in the game. You know, it just it just seems, you know, on that especially on that side when they're going to go uh, as traditionally short as they do on the bench, and you know, with they they have to have all of the elements playing at a, at a pretty high level. Uh, it really plays as a premium, I think, on especially in the offensive end. Um, I think it, you know the the way you know, Jim Beheim likes to 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 work his bench or or lack thereof, should I say? You know, it really places a premium on those guys that are on the floor for those high minutes. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, this is a big one for them. If they can't beat this this state team without Devin Daniels, then oof, they're in some trouble. They are for sure. And, and but who knows? You never know what to expect with Syracuse, do you? You don't, and and you know they're <laughs> they're in a you know they're in an interesting stretch for them too. I think they match up pretty well against Louisville. Um, they they're you know they 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 have to go on the road to the uh, Clemson and NC back. You know what they play state what twice yeah. in ten days, I guess. So yeah, yeah. Um, so you know you know it, it, it is a and then BC after that. So this is a stretch where they can get going. I think Syracuse can, but again, it's. Um, you know they they've got to, they've got to be you know the 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 good version you know and you you don't know what you're going to get. Well, yeah that that pretty much wraps us up. It'll be it'll be interesting, and I hate it for State and Devin Daniels, but uh, hopefully he comes back next year, and or maybe he won't. Who knows with NBA? Yeah. I don't know, but we'll see. But you're he, right, I, Shaquille Moore. Your guy. You mentioned Shaquille Moore. I am. I love him. See what happens with his when his minutes increase, which obviously they're going to do now. So, yeah, yeah, he he struggled, I think, a lot with during the covid layoff and um, for them. And and I know Kevin Keats said he didn't play much against North Carolina, who he was great against the first time in the rematch because he wasn't practicing well. So mm-hmm. um, apparently he's turned a corner there and that's a good thing. Um, but yeah, uh, that's the ACC weekend. Um, oh, I have to announce to everyone that. Uh, I got a late Christmas gift from my panic room buddy, Joe Ovius, and I got Spurtles. No. So, wow. Yeah. So, but he wants me to uh, test them out and try to do all of the things Lucinda does in her wonderful <laughs> ad. So I'll be uh, making a mayonnaise salad and 
some other things um, with my new Spurtles. So that'll come up probably next week at some point. <laughs> I'll be fascinated. I'll be tuned in for sure. I've got to know. I, I've got to find my best cardigan so I can recreate. You do. The whole, yeah. The I got to get the whole look and feel. There is a vibe. There is a vibe. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. A Spurtle vibe. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Norm, tell everybody where they can find you. Uh, you can check me on Twitter at Norm Wood, or you can uh, look me up at dailypress.com forward slash sports or pilotonline.com forward slash sports. All right. Until next week, everybody. Thank you.